Hi everyone, you're listening to the Vialucci podcast, uncensored and completely unedited discussions about life and everything in it. We hope you enjoy the show. We're going to warm everybody up for Halloween, John. Yes, we are. And before we start, I've got a really great announcement. I mean, if you've been looking at Netflix, I'm really thrilled to know that the, you'll be really thrilled to know that the uncut, proper formatted Halloween three season of The Witch is now available on Netflix. It's what we've all been, the nation has been (laughs) crying. It's it's never been shown uncut or in a a properly letterbox version in the UK because you know, most video versions are formatted for 16 by 9. But some, I noticed this, somebody announced the Netflix watch party and I looked at him and I said, now it's suddenly, oh, God, oh, fucking hell, great. So it's, um, so that's good. So that, and they're showing the original five Halloweens, like Halloween 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, the Return of Michael Myers and the Curse of mm-hmm. Michael Myers. But Season of the Witch, which is the cult film, which was the standalone film that kind of fa- so-called failed the thing, um, it's now available. It's a, it's great to watch. I mean, it's worth catching. Looks good on on Netflix, and it's is that on there now. Is it? It's on there now, and I've I've watched it several times already because I'm you know I was skipping through it to see oh was, have they got that bit in that bit? I thought yes. Oh, and uh, thank you for our hats. That's oh yeah, you're welcome. Hats. Well, this is um, part of the deal of what we're going to do today because these are official merchandise hats and my t-shirt. If I just stand up, careful. Uh, so people listening at home, we've got, uh, well, I'm not wearing mine because uh, oh, yeah, it, it would glue to my head with all the hair gel. Um, but it's uh, for a, a film, I'm assuming we're going to find out, called The Realtors. Yeah, it's called The Retaliators. Retaliators. Oh, wow. <laughs> the Realtors uh, is, like, the, is the spin-off. So um, <laughs> this is actually one of the films that was in the 2021 live Fright Fest. And today we are going to be talking about Fright Fest. So what is the Fright Fest? Yeah, I was going to say for the uninitiated. Okay, so how do I explain Fright Fest? Well, it's a film festival, but it's also a community and a family. And it's one of those rare occasions where you are actually in the same place as the filmmakers. You can actually talk to the filmmakers between the films. Oh, so it's not just the normal QA. They come out, go off. No, they, they are... It, it's sort of grown in stature. I mean, it's it's been, you know, it's 21 years this year. And there are people who are probably listening to this who will know it. And, and it's it's lots of burgers and restaurants and drinking. Where, where is it? It's held at in Leicester Square. So it's it started in 2000 at the Prince Charles Cinema. And back then it was a very niche cult um cult festival which was actually started up by paul mcavoy alan jones ian ratray and greg day and it was designed as a their feeling was that they hadn't been a proper genre film festival like horror film festival in the uk and they started this i mean alan jones who is a legend of journalism paul mcavoy ran the cinema store in um upper saint martin's lane um, Ian Rattray is a distributor. Greg Day is a, is a PR person who's who now basically orchestrates all the press stuff. So it's almost like they're all, from all kind of yeah. facets of the industry but it's, all together. But it's become, through sheer word of mouth and awareness, you know, it's become one of the tense pole festivals of the world. I mean, next to like Toronto, Sundance, the London Film Festival, it has so many great movies now. I mean... 
For example, I'm just looking on, just a reminder, um, in 2000 when it started, you had um, films like uh, Pitch Black and oh, wow. um, and Ed Gein, which was the, uh, with Steve Rallis back. There was Audition, Takashi oh, okay. Mickey's right. thing, which when I first saw that, I mean, he said it's a slow burner, but stick to it to the end. And uh, to be honest with you, I almost threw up. It's the end of it. The twenty, the last twenty minutes is you'll be you. It sort of alternates between reality. What did you think of the hereditary film? Because every time I see it, I hear someone say, like somebody the other, they said I hated it. I said it's rubbish. I think I, I wouldn't. What? I wouldn't say I hated it. It's, it's kind of. I thought it was good, a good film. Uh, you know, oh, they were making a punt for the Oscars. I reckon that woman. It was good, not great. I thought. Well, I think a lot of these movies, you know, I think now people are, there's a lot more intelligence and, you know, the Sprite Fest fans are actually some of the smartest and brightest people in the world. I mean, you know, if you hear the conversations between the films, mm. you'll understand it. And they don't hold back, you know, they, they let people know what you think. And Ian and Alan and, and Paul, for example, they sort of say, oh, did you like this? And sometimes the conversations do get quite animated. And it's okay to disagree. You know, you're you're going there because, you know, you pay for a weekend pass, which is about £175, for example. And you pay for the seat and you pay for the experience and you pay for meeting your friends. But in terms of it, you are taking a chance. Like anything, you can't predict what the films are going to be. Where are they being held now then? It's the films now held at the – the festivals now held at the Cineworld IMAX. Not the – the the – They still – well – they oh, have theater. been well. The, the Prince Charles has become the discovery screen. So, how it works is you have two main screens. You have the Cineworld, the, the the main arrow screen, and you have the Impact screen, which are the two big screens, which is the Old Empire. And then there is a cult group of films, which are not necessarily the big ones, but they're the movies that specialist fans want to go and see, right. which people become aware of. So there's a variety of things, and they have like a, they actually have a fright fest podcast. They have like Q and As. They have different things but um it's been a you know some of the films that have emerged out over the last 20 years for example the texas chainsaw massacre 2 was made its premiere uk theatrical premiere at fright fest in 2001 because it had never it, it uh, was so i was just the it was the original then the, no the sequel with 1986 because uh, yeah, that film never made it to uk shores originally because it was not given a certificate and it was you know for one reason or another and actually the distributor canon was falling apart at the time, so they never really wanted to get ahead with it. They, they would, so the story goes, they were trying to get the right version, make a cut-down version, but, you know, they it just sort of fell by the wayside. Um, so what, what, what are we going to look at today, then? So we're going to look in part at some of the picks from... I'm going to tell you a bit about some of the picks of the, um, the past Fright Fest, but I'm also going to tell you about this year's festival. Um, so it's up to you. Do you want to talk about this year's festival? The Do the past first. Okay, yeah, so... Yeah. Um, okay, so just looking at the, the <clears throat> choice of the films that came over the last thing. So in 2000, for example, we had um, we had Pitch Black and Ed Gein, which is based on the story of Ed Gein, the mass murderer who inspired Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Psycho. And he actually turned up in um, he turned up in um, in person and he, he was really good. What, Ed Gein? No, not Ed Gein, Steve <laughs> Rallisback. Now, Steve, right. Ra- Steve Rallisback <laughs> was in, in the 1980 cult classic The Stuntman with Peter O'Toole and he also was in Life Force. Yeah. He played the main astronaut who sort of got it off with Matilda May, you know, the vampire. Don't think I know that one. Um, Toby Hooper film. It was um, one of the most expensive films shot in the UK. I haven't seen Patrick it. Patrick Stewart was in it 
and uh, Peter Firth. Really great, you know. I don't think I've, yeah, I, I admit, and I it's know based it on a novel by Colin Wilson called The Space Vampires. Um, in two thousand and one, there was um, the likes of um, there was the likes of Scary Movie Two, The Devil's Backbone, which was oh, Guillermo del great. Toro's first major mm. film, which I loved and was actually um, I thought was better than The Sixth Sense. So they have Scary Movie Two there, mm. <laughs> the, so they have the spoofs as well as yeah. That's not you know it's not. Uh, that's a really weird choice to me because it's not a horror comedy in the same way that, say, American Werewolf in London has some really funny bits in yeah. it. But it's also really quite scary and also very violent. You've got an out and out. What spin. year was American Werewolf in London? That was 1981. Oh, yeah. It's just out the 70s. Yeah. Um, okay, so go on. Um, other films that arrived that time, there was Jeepers Creepers and Battle Royale. They emerged oh, right. in 2001. Have they, have they stopped making the Jeepers Creepers? I think there was the Jeepers three. Creepers 3 was there and that, and was, that was it, really. Um, in 2002, this was quite an interesting one because they had Donnie Darko, One Hour Photo, Resident Evil promo with Paul W.S. Anderson and Jeremy Bolt. They had Dark Water. They had The Happiness of the Katakuris, which is Takeshi Miki's weird movie, which is just worth watching. You, you're never quite okay. sure what that movie is. <laughs> um, Insomnia, actually, um, they had the Ted Bundy movie, which was with um, C. Thomas Howell. Sorry, just to wind that back, Insomnia, is it in the Al Pacino? Al Pacino, Robin Williams. So that's odd. I w- again, I wouldn't necessarily call that a, a horror film. I, I think that was actually the surprise film that year. They did, um, it It was, and Christopher Nolan, I think, turned up. Um, so when you say a surprise film, what do you mean, sorry? Well, sometimes they, they've scheduled a surprise film. You don't know what it is. Oh, I can see. Right, so, right. for example, the film Buried with Ryan Reynolds, that yeah. was a surprise film they oh, put in there film. anyway. Um, so moving on to 2003, um, the likes they had, um, the, oh, the surprise film in 2003 was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I mean, again, that's not really a horror. <laughs> I know it's taking yeah, a horror Yeah, I think they're running out of films. Yeah. <laughs> um, they had um, the last horror movie, which was like a, um, which was a kind of um, video thing, a bit like a serial killer on, a bit like Man Bites Dog. Okay. Um, shot around Wollstone. I just feel like if you give your name, you know, your film, the, the last horror film, it's like, <laughs> come on, it's not though, actually. Um, and then the final two films that did emerge, Eli Roth's Cabin Fever. Okay. In 2003. And then the final film was Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. I'm only, I've heard of it. I've I heard of that, yeah. Because yeah. okay. he did the, he did some <laughs> Halloween because they've got the new Halloweens now, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, Halloween Kills is out this week, actually. But he did, didn't he do a reboot in between the... Yes, he did Halloween reboot. 1 and 2, which nobody liked. It had Malcolm McDowell as Sam Loomis. Um, but it, it the trouble was, is it went down like a lead balloon, whereas the Halloween reboot, the one that John Carpenter did with recently, which was the David Gordon Green, is fantastic. It's a good thing. Um, other films in the 2004 thing were, um, they had, um, what else we've got here? They've got um, Hellboy. Okay, good. Hellboy and um, Rob... Um, Ron Perlman and Selma Blair and Rupert Evans all turned up for that in 2004. They had, um, what else did they have here? They had The Hillside Strangler. They had The Machinist, which was the film with Christopher, Chris, Chris, um, Christian Bale. Yeah. Is that when he lost all the weight? That yeah. yeah. And that was actually shot, although it's set in Los Angeles, it was shot in Barcelona. Oh, okay. okay. You wouldn't even believe I mean, no. everybody was sort of saying, well, what is that? Um, they had um, Creep with Christopher Smith um, and Franco Patente, who was in Run, Lola, Run. 
Is that the one where it's London, like in London, an abandoned yeah, yeah. line? Or? Um, they had um, a screening of the, they had the Toolbox Murders remake by Toby Hooper, which was actually good fun. I mean, it was a remake of a 1980 film, which was an exploitation about people, he used drills and stuff. Nice. Set in a building. But they had a special screening of Profondo Rosso, which was Dario Argento's 1970s film with David Hemmings called All Deep Red as with the UK title. So we're now into um, 2005. Now, this for me... John, John, you're going to have to... We can't do every year. No, no. <laughs> okay. No, I, I thought... But, but, no, I realised... No, no. I'm oh, just saying that... Some of the highlights. Okay, so the, the actually, I'm coming to one of the okay, highlights. Good. In 2005, George A. Romero turned up for the premiere of Land of the Dead. Okay. In oh, okay. person. So they did a special day of Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. And How old is he now? Well, he's he's dead. dead. Oh, he died? When yeah. did he die? A couple of years back now, two, wasn't two, Four or five say. years ago. What's he like? He was very friendly. I mean, the great yeah. thing is, is when he when he turned up, he's a gentle giant of a man. Right. And I think he was one of the most intelligent horror directors. I mean, along with David Cronenberg and John Carpenter. I mean, he genuinely gave some, if you watch his films, he actually had some really intelligent performances. If you look at um, Laurie Cardile in Day of the Dead or some of the, you know, Dwayne Jones and Judith O'Day in uh, Night of the Living Dead. You know, and he, had, he, he, he wrote really interesting characters. What was the um, last film he made then? I think it was one of the dead films. Yeah, yeah there was the diary little... of the dead, wasn't there? That was the found yeah. footage one, which I did. He wasn't part of that, was he? Yeah. I, I thought that was like a student film. No, no, I think he was, I don't know if he directed, did he direct that, John? Or did he, di uh, Diary of the Dead? Was I, th he I think he might have. I've, I'll have to check that anyway. Okay. okay um, just moving on, yeah. going on to, as going up to more up-to-date things, Spit on Your Grave remake in 2010. Um, the Loved Ones, which was a really great Australian movie. Okay, I don't think I know that one at all. Um, horror? Yeah, horror film, yep. Uh, what else? Just going for the other things. Oh, they had the remake of Fright Night and Troll Hunter. Um, they remade Troll Hunter. Yeah. No, no. What? What? They no, no, no. Re the I spit on. Uh, no, the remake of Fright Night. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which right. which had Colin Farrell, which was pretty good. Um, but there's been films like um, there's been films like uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is my favourite of all the films, which just is. Just sheer bonkers, but it actually had the greatest um, thing. So I could go on. I mean, you can. What did the uh, who, the director for that film? What else had he done? I think that was his first film. Yeah, but it was just. As it, it was. So has he gone on to do anything else? I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll have to. What check. What year was that? Do you reckon? Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Just let me just go, <clears throat> let me just double check. So it's quite an original film, wasn't it? That that, that film. It, it is actually the for me. It was actually the funniest. Um, <laughs> You know, it was just genuinely the funniest uh, thing. When was it out? Uh, you Google Tucker and Dale, see what time, the, what year the film. Because it must have been a while ago now. Yeah, it was so. was a while back. I'm just sort of going through it because I know. Oh, it was um, it was 2011. Oh, so was it a cinema release? No, it was. They did have a screening at Fright Fest, but then right, I think okay. it it had like a limited cinema yeah, release yeah, and yeah. it went to video, so it's cool. Okay. Um, one of the other tri picks of the film was um, a film called Trick or Treat, which is one of the best oh, right, Halloween yeah, yeah. anthologies. It had um, Brian Cox and Anna Paquin in. Very short, but actually, for you're talking my, about the eighties. There wasn't a remake. No, no, Trick one. or Treat is a different movie. It's a modern day one. It was one of the and they it was what they showed it in a rare big screen screening on the old Empire. What what year was that though? Uh, let me just see. So I remember seeing Trick or Treat when I was younger. No, that this was a different film anyway. Um, I'm just trying. It's to Probably remember. something where you can. Yeah, that's such a common phrase. You can. Use oh my, yeah, it might be a variation of it. Yeah. Of it. 
When was it? Um, Trick or Treat. Because they do I'm quite... Do rock I mean, music. Something. Yeah, but anthologies is quite a common thing in horror, isn't it? I think you get that. You used to get that with the old... Um, completely drawing a blank. I can see the image now. A Tales from the Crypt. Oh, yeah, Creep that Show was, and all yeah, that Yeah, all those stuff. kind yeah, of... Yeah. Well, this, this was actually a bit like that. Okay. So... Um, I mean, I could go on, but we're not going to. Okay, so. Anyway, so we're going to go on to the films that sort of form the festival this year. At the festival, sorry, can I just ask, is it just screenings or is there kind of like a market? Is there any selling going on? Is there anything like that? There is. Or? There's actually, in the cinema, um, Arrow Video did special, um, you know, they did. A, there's a special table dedicated to Arrow merchandise. So you can buy all their stuff. And who are Arrow? Arrow are basically the Arrow. They do a lot of the updated, remastered cult horror films. So everything from Dress to Kill to The Fury to all the Lucio Fulci films like House by the Cemetery, um, The Beyond and City of the Living Dead, which I would advise if anybody gets them, watch them in their original Italian with English subtitles. Don't watch the English dub version because people often laugh at them. But if you watch House by the Cemetery, they actually turn into really interesting. So the, subti- the dubbing yeah. kind of makes <laughs> There are, there's, there's a book stall. There are t-shirt stalls. You can actually buy t-shirts like this Fright Fest. They've got, they've got Fright Fest posters. And, um, and then of course you have the three program. This is the program. And they allow at the back of it, you well, the, not this ones, but they actually allow the. Um, there used to be spaces for autographs if you wanted to. Oh, really? Okay. So have a look at that. Yeah. So probably can't in, yeah. in COVID. Can so, they do um, stop for autographs? So, well, before we move on to the films, the whole community is just great because they you you sort of arrive on your Thursday on the Thursday, and you normally meet up at one of the key venues like the Phoenix or the Imperial. The Phoenix Artist Club is one of the places on yeah. Charing Cross. You go downstairs. And I've got a mate called Ben Sly who comes in from Faversham and he, he actually, we meet for the Strand Palace and then he, he stays at the Strand Palace like a lot of people do during the festival. And then we go up to the Imperial and have a few beers. Beer is the currency. If you ever turn up and you're with me, <laughs> by all means, come and um, come and buy me a beer. I'll be happy. Oh, so that's the currency for you, not for Fright Fest. No, no, that, that that's... <laughs> and that's, when is it? Because it was early, it was it's a few aug- months ago. It's the, it's the August, late August bank holiday. And Why have they just, not made it this weekend? Sorry, because it's the August. So it's from Thursday to Monday, the August bank holiday, the late August. Once bank. a year, once a year. Okay, but there are also festivals in Glasgow, oh. and there is a Halloween edition which is coming up right. soon, which is in two or three weeks' time. Which oh, is the, I was assumed it was Halloween. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a two-day event, so they have that. So how it works is the you you kind of. You turn up and you you will sort of grab your seats. Now, one of the other rituals that used to go on was the sleepy queue. I don't like the sound of this. Yeah, that's, okay, that, that sounds okay, like a horror so, film itself. Okay, so trust <laughs> yeah. the, So the sleepy queue when interactive horror. When the old Odeon West End was open, we used to bed down for about seventeen hours outside the outside the Odeon. We get our chairs and our our sleeping bags. And we just sit there overnight because everybody wanted to grab their passes at 11 o'clock. It was normally the, the final Saturday in June. And we used to sit there and you'd sort of keep everybody company. And, and it became like a ritual. So you people would bring their food, they'd bring their vodka and stuff like that. So from about six o'clock on the Friday, maybe before, until about five o'clock in the morning on the Saturday, we'd all stay by the Odeon West End. Then everybody would keep their place. And this is the for people who aren't familiar. So this is the big Odeon where you normally have the the big premiere. So well, the Odeon, the Odeon, it's no longer there. It was knocked down, but there's a new Odeon Lux. There's, it's called the Londoner. There's a there's a hotel called the Londoner where the Odeon West End used to be. 
So what we'd do is we'd sit there and you'd, you'd just sit there for doing nothing. And then at five o'clock on the Saturday, you'd go down to the Empire and cute bed down out there. And then you'd sit there and wait until the, the cinema opened. You'd get your passes. Now, for a sheer word of mouth, people, it got longer and longer and longer. And you're all going through it. And then they'd also give us a, um, if you, as a reward for getting your tickets, they they give us a free screening at the Prince Charles for um, oh, okay. a film. But of course, by that time, you're too knackered anyway. I was say. And then you go home and then you sort of recover, but you'd have the passes. What film is that from? I'm showing you my picture. That is from the, um, if you just, the, is that's, that from, film? that's from the. Good makeup. Sadness. So it was, um, it was. We're, yeah, we're looking at, again, for our listeners, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. We're looking at a gentleman holding an axe. I'd yeah. say he's covered in blood. But it's um, but it's it's another of these COVID themed. You know, there's a lot of things going on and stuff. So um, the film festival this year opened with a film called Demonic, directed by Neil Blomkamp, which was um, the guy who How directed Dish Nine. Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those mind mind vision films, like Dreamscape and um, Brainstorm, which was. Douglas Trumbull's from where you go inside the mind of people. It's a bit like, you know, Total Recall, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and whilst it has an interesting idea at the heart of it, it doesn't explore the actual relationship between the... It's a mother and daughter story. And the science fiction actually, I think, sometimes does get in the way. It doesn't quite pull off as the way... It's What's the sort of overall premise? Okay, so they're part of an experiment. You know, a woman and... Le- it says it, they're... They um, unleash a, um, you know, some demons are uttered at the end. Some demons are unleashed as the result of this rift between a mother and daughter. And then they, they have to go into the minds of the two people. And then it becomes a bit, the the old the line between reality and terror okay. happens. But it wasn't really, sometimes, it you know, stuff like this gets a bit complex. You have to be very mindful of it. It's a bit like Total Recall when Arnold Schwarzenegger's going through, he goes, that's the best mindfuck yet. So yeah. in a way, it was a very strange concoction. So it never quite hit the thing. But, it, it, you know, this is what happens. You know, the movie kind of, you know, this is what, you know, this, is the, this was like the start-off point for the festival. So there's a lot of people talking about it. Did it work? Was it a good choice? You know, you, you, you just take it as you, as it goes. How does it sort of, I mean, sorry, I know I keep interrupting no, just because right. I've never beaten. So how does it work in terms of the opening? Do they have like a, oh, this is the big gala screening, the opening night film? It starts, okay, the opening night, normally the, somebody comes on stage and announces. So the four principal organizers will stand up on stage, welcome everybody. They'll of course say, you know, we want to welcome the Fright Fest virgins. Okay. So the people who've never been before. So is there anybody who's never been here before? Can you, the people who are the Fright Fest virgins, can they all stand up and so like that? So, but you, but the truth is the community is good because they'll support these people yeah. and they become embraced. So you have the lamyard and you say, look, talk to people. And the people who are sitting next to you, they're the people you'll get to know. Then you go to the pub or you do that. And there's about, there was about three or four people I met who were like in the pub. And I, there was one person, there was a lady called, I think her name was Amy. And she was standing by herself and there was about four or five of us. And I said, you were right. Come and join us. So we just chatted. There was a couple more. Um, How many people were there? Like in general, like what's the kind of number? It could be when the old empire was on, it was about 1500 people oh, in the man. cinema, in the single screen. Turning up for the whole thing. For the whole weekend. Oh, okay. with the, and there was a lot of weekend pass holders. You could, of course, 
have the option of buying day passes <gasps> and single tickets. Oh, okay. And then, um, but then now with the Empire, it's kind of in two screens. So there's, I, I'm trying to remember how many people there are, but a lot of people tend to go for the weekend pass hop because they know that if they're going to make this, the whole festival, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there are people who can maybe only make one or two days or maybe the last day and they'll do it. Right, so that's that film. So what's next? So moving on, um, the next film is a film called The Kindred, which was about um, a woman who kind of, um, is invo- a woman's involved in a car accident and left in a coma. Now, this is one of those things, bump on the head things that sort of you n- kind of know once it happens, you're thinking, well, obviously, there's something's not quite right here. But it actually works pretty well. You just have to keep going with it. And there's a few twists at the end. And you, it's, it's about mental health and stuff yeah. like that. It's directed by Jamie Patterson and... Her, his real life wife, April Pearson, who I had the pleasure of meeting at the, you know, in the Phoenix, she was really good anyway. And, you know, it's a really, she gives a really great performance, but it deals with, and it's got Samantha Bond, who was Money Penny for a oh, while, okay, yeah, yeah. Patrick Bergen, who was in Sleeping with the Enemy. Gosh, that's a f- And um, also was in the alternate Robin Hood around yeah, the same yeah. time with Costner's. Um, but it's a psychological for you can kind of, you kind of know where it's going, but it, it, it's a very competently made film and a British film that, you know, and, and sometimes it's very rare to find a British film that has that kind of power. How many of these were British? Quite a few actually. Oh, I mean, really? there's okay. a few. Um, but the, my pick of the final first day was, um, by a guy called Pierce Berezheimer and it's a film called Crabs. Oh, God. And basically, it's a creature feature comedy about these rampant alien-like crabs. Yeah. Basically, um, it's small-town America, you know, all of a sudden these crabs appear and start ripping people apart. Fantastic. Um, Off a a meteorite, was it? it, It's something like that. Yeah. um, yeah, (laughs) Usually the Yeah, so there's... um, in a farm. There's, like, nuclear runoff. Now, what was interesting, I had the pleasure of meeting Pierce... Berzheimer after the thing and he was he was in town with his mom and one of the oh, f- he was one amazing. of the few he was one of the few American <laughs> talents who made it because COVID restrictions oh, yeah, but yeah. <clears throat> he told me that he, he he actually shot it in the same place they shot Roger Corman's Humanoids from the Deep which was released in the UK in 1980 as Monster it had Doug McClure you remember those 1970s things? I, I remember good old Doug McClure yeah, yeah. but um, it was actually done on a double bill with When a Stranger Calls the Fred Walton cult classic with Carol Kane and Charles Durning but the the crabs are wonderful there was it was shot for um, I think about 250,000 so he told me but he's he's looking to do a sequel were these sort of, um, sorry if I missed this, were these animatronics or were they CG? Or? They were, you, you wouldn't believe it, they were actually radio-controlled cars disguised as crap. <laughs> that is genius. That is but brilliant. it was fantastic, but they work really well. They're just, they're just absolutely, they're just, <laughs> it was one, it's, you know, that's the great thing about the, the, the low-budget horror. Is that this some, is the one that's appealing <laughs> that's, to me the most. That one, <laughs> this, this one like is absolutely, um, and also as well, the climax of the film Actually, it turns into more like Godzilla. Okay. Bloody hell. Serious, honestly, They're it's covering like, quite a lot of... It's <laughs> like a... I mean, to be honest with you, if you can imagine when you look at Godzilla versus Kong and all the money they've spent on that, mm-hmm. watch this movie and you'll think that's actually going back to the classic Japanese Toho Godzilla. It, it, there's, there's a wonderful climax to the film, which I just thought, um, you know, it was just a really great... Um, you know, it was just really an interesting thing anyway. So I, 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 that was my pick. Okay, so that was day one. Day two. 
I mean, I'm just sort of, uh, I'm, my eyes are drawn yeah, to this. Yeah, I saw that picture. Yeah. picture so um, this, was, um, this was fertilizer on a golf course causing people to have... Get so what's this? What's the, the name? Brain, brain freeze. freeze. So okay. this is the Canadian film. So, so the picture is of a baby with yeah, it's like a baby demon eyes. who's zombified. So, oh my God. So it starts with, there's a fertilizer that basically turns people into mutants. And it basically, it's kind of a bit like Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Stuff like that. But I just wish there had been more golf. But I think the idea of a thing, <laughs> you know, you kind of expect, I thought, well, look, if it's a golf course, I mean, it'd be cool anyway. Um, but it, it had a lot of really interesting, um, it was quite riveting. You know, it, it had that kind of, joyful um dark cheerfulness there's something about horror isn't there that it's always it's always called that element of the elevator pitch of like it's so simple it's just yeah yeah, yeah. Um, big meteorite land yeah. you know we're not bothered about the bullshit of like oh and then you know let's spend hours doing this it's you know uh the, the yeah, land, space, one um, person goes over to have a look yeah cracks it, open yeah <laughs> the, you know and off and off we go and even you know with alien even though um it takes a long time for anything to kind of for pandemonium to kind of say it is simply we find aliens yeah. you know we do the classic instead of switching on the light young we do, couple we in the forest like, yeah it's all that kind of I <laughs> but, love it's, that but, it, but what they also share is their variations on the haunted house yeah, yeah, yeah a single yeah. location you know people yeah. and then you add a bit of blood and away you go well, i mean crabs is basically that just sounds like night of the living dead or yeah, critters yeah, yeah. or any but of those kind of go back to but, the 80s yeah. Yeah. but that's the thing is you know that that was the thing we bought into you sort of i mean i didn't know much about it but i thought oh this is this is absolutely, um, this is absolutely, it's just silly, yeah. but, it, but it's silly in a good way. And the great thing is, is when, when I was speaking to Pierce afterwards, it was great because we kind of tapped into it and I enjoyed it for that reason. And again, this was the great thing, finding out about how much it was, this bit of trivia about it being shot in the same place as a Corman film, you know, you know, he, you know, the fact that he made it, I mean, the great thing is he, he made it with, with vigor and energy, a bit like Sam Raimi with the evil dead, John Carpenter, mm. George A. Romero, Toby Hooper. They, they, he hasn't gone Hollywood yet. He's, he's still mm. looking, you know, he'll just do maybe like evil dead do, do a better version of it. And what, you know, I can't wait. And I think people, it was actually one of the picks of the shows anyway. So what's next? So the next film on day two is a thing called the show, which was, I'm trying to remember because it, it's kind of hazy what it was, but it was an odd, it was kind of a set in Northampton, but you kind of had a mix Set in Northampton, England? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> strangely Haunted Town. I'm trying to remember, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was a, it was a kind of a, a, like a hodgepodge of various ideas, but you kind of had to, you, you were trying to focus on one thing or another. I mean, the fact that you sort of, um, without being unkind to the makers of this film, because it's uh, the fact that you're kind of struggling to recall it, <laughs> yes, it's maybe not, you know, it's always the things you can't remember that maybe that's almost worse than Yeah, being. stick to the films you do remember. <laughs> okay, so um, the next one after that was a thing called The Exorcism of Carmen Farias, which again was another exorcism. Uh, let me know if they're um, uh, American or British. So what's this one? This one is from Mexico. Oh, okay. Uh, by a guy Subtitles. called... Subtitles? Uh, yes, okay. by Rodrigo Fraliga, and it was again. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of um, you know that they, they go to a haunted house, and there's you know the psychological and like there's like scares and stuff like that. Oh, so it's not a it's not about a it's not like Emma, it's not sort of a redo of uh, 
exorcism of Emily Rose. It's not sort of... It's probably a variation on the theme. I mean, the thing is with anything, anything with the exorcism, in the, there's so yeah. many of the exorcism. Yeah. I think people are trying to, but as I say, the exorcist still remains. So we then get to probably what was probably the worst film of the Ooh, apologies, apologies yeah. for the So <laughs> I apologies, but this did, you know. And, it's fine. Okay, so this was a film called The Changed. And it was kind of like... The Changed. The Changed. Yeah. And it was like a COVID... What, what nationality? American. Okay. It was a COVID-19 version of... And the, the filmmaker came on and he said, well, it's, it's kind of like Night of the Living Dead, an invasion of the body snatchers. The problem is... I would rather watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Night of the Living Dead than watch say, this because invoke. there's been. The Did he? Cut, he said that before the film. Started. He said that before. You don't My, do that, though. The do prob, you you the, wouldn't the, say that about your the film. The biggest issue I had with it was well, this was a, this. I was not alone in my my opinion about this. This is actually what a lot of people who attended the festival was about. So the other thing I like to say is, all these kind of opinions are actually varies. A lot of people will say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, what some people okay. like is not so. Know. The problem is, is there's been four versions of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There's been the Jack Arnold one. There's been the, uh, yeah, the Jack Arnold one from 1956. There's the Philip Kaufman classic remake from 78. Is that the one with uh, Donald Donald Sutherland? Sutherland. <laughs> yeah. There's Abel Ferrara's Body Snatchers with Gabriel Anwar in the 90s. And then you had the Daniel Craig, oh. Nicole Kidman thing, The Invasion. Which wasn't oh, so great. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. So... The problem is, is they, it was kind of, it just didn't add anything to the, to the mix. It didn't do anything with it. It, it had its moments. I mean, it was Tony Todd who plays Candyman who, who, you know, he, he kind of says, oh, you know, they, they sort of hold him in a chair at one point. But it just didn't have anything in it to suggest. What, what's the sort of, so it's, it's. It's basically, you know, something's taken possession of, um, the city, you know, there's a there's a virus. There's something that's sort of turned them into like, um, you know, it's a bit like invasion of the body snatchers. Everybody and you can't see them. You don't know. You who could, it is. You, it's sort of the hidden threat, okay, and everybody right, yeah, becomes, yeah. you know, you know, like, yeah, yeah, or something like that. But it just doesn't, you know, and that, and basically, the the film basically takes place for the most part in a house where these two people are trying to decide, you know, whether to go out and do oh, that. I see, okay, right, right, and then somebody comes in and there's. Um, you know, somebody's gone out and tries. They're trying to let all manner of people back in, and then people are standing outside. So it's kind of things like invasion of the body. Snatcher. So it's almost like who do we let in? Who do, who do you trust? Okay. You know, you right. know, can you trust them? Um, like elements, you know, it kind of adds to the touch of the kind of the atmosphere of Assault and Precinct Thirteen, the nineteen seventy six version, but it never quite hit the the mark. And it but was, it wasn't a remake, was it? It was just it was just a variation. So he shouldn't have said he set he set it up badly. But he said he said it was but it was sort of influenced by. I would say it was more influenced by Invasion of the Body Snatchers and yeah. I just so think I think you're setting yourself up yeah. for a fall there. I yeah. think because that is such an so iconic. What, what's next? Okay, so the the next one is um, a thing called broadcast signal intrusion, where this guy becomes what country? Um, it's USA. Okay. And it's about a guy who um, basically becomes obsessed with um, hacking in broadcast signals. And he becomes obsessed with this whole, um, you know, trying to trace what this tape says, this kind of signal. And there's a, there's a, there's some kind of um, 
you know, forgive me if I'm trying to remember, but it's one of those things, that, as I say, every, some of these films are just hazy. Um, but it was it was kind of like an obsession about finding some vision and meaning in, a, in an image. Okay. A bit like The Ring and stuff like that. Right, pick, pick films you remember that you like. Okay, well, the, the next <laughs> one. I well, Okay, so um, the next one, in fact, was one of my picks, which okay. is a thing called Coming Home in the Dark. What country? New Zealand. Okay, okay. And so what it was, was about this family um, are driving through the British New Zealand landscape and they encounter a couple of psychos who basically sort of, um, a bit like funny with. games, a bit, bit like funny games. You can okay. kind of predict, do that. And it starts out like you think, okay, this is a bit like Wolf Creek. You know, it's, it's, it's a really uncompromising thing. And... It does something in the earth. I'm not going to reveal what it is. Some, If you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. But there's a bit of a shocking moment very early on where you just think, just when you think, oh, this is going to go the same way, something just punctuates the air. But the truth is, is it's actually about, there's a few revelations about the actual family. Okay. Which are actually brought out in because of this, this kind of experience and this kind of, bad moment and then it evolves and it's it's quite um you know in terms of where it goes it does it does follow the same kind of thing as wolf priest are they ever going to get out of there this is quite terrifying and it's a very intense ride it's uncompromising it's quite brutal quite shocking and it was really the film that kind of um it just genuinely hit the the right notes, but it and it it sort of pushes the right buttons. Yeah, okay. It's not an easy watch. I mean, it's probably one of those. Um, you know, there was a film a few years ago called Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door, which was about a girl who was about this family who kept the girl in the basement in prison. Okay, right. Now this was shown on a Sunday, and you kind of. I just remember after the film ended, everybody was so shocked because normally Fright Fest audience have quite strong stomachs. So we all emerged into the oh, really? sunshine and we were just like, <clears throat> did that really happen? A bit shell-shocked by it. A bit shell-shocked. This is has that kind of feeling. It's just one of those movies that kind of does have, um, you, you, you kind of, you know, it has familiar elements, but it also takes it in a different direction. But it's not just gory. It's well-made. It's, it's very competently directed. Okay. I mean, the director, um, the director, James Ashcroft, I think he will, it won't be long before he's called to Hollywood. Right, and yeah. he will, he will probably end up doing something like if you can paint one of the temple franchises, he might end up doing a, I don't know, a venom or a, yeah, yeah. or, you know, he might even go like to things like, um, Maybe one of the the upcoming phase two of the the phase three, whatever the Marvel thing is. So, what was the name of that film? It's called Coming Home in the Dark. New Zealand. That's okay. What's the next one? Name so, and country. Okay, so the next one is German, and oh, okay. it's a film called Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes. Now, this was quite an interesting one because it starts out like a <coughs> it starts out like a woman. They go into a haunted castle. Okay. But then it turns into a, um, well, should I sort of reveal what the revelation is? But it, it sort of turns into something totally different in terms of style. So you, you're sort of wondering. Go on, you gotta, you got to take it okay. as a little thing. So yeah. it turns into actually, what it turns out is they're actually filming this, this man and woman in a hot castle. She's inherited the castle. And it actually is, the, they're actually filming the castle. It's actually a sequence. Okay. And then it turns into something else. And 
again, it had an interesting idea at the heart of it, but it was, again, I just felt the idea of them being in this castle and the fact that the filmmakers were in this castle and that, you know, maybe that was the story. But very stylish, very interesting idea. Doesn't quite pull off, but I thought it worked well. Visually, it looks okay. Um, the next film is a bit like, you know, taps into like, these movies like The Witch. What's, and the, what's the name? What's it it's called The Last Thing Mary Saw. It's an American film. What's it called? The Last Thing Mary Saw. Okay. Um, if you ever saw The Witch and come of these pagan, you know, these... these Is it set in a similar sort of time? Yeah, or? 1843, set in upstate New York. You know, somebody's... Um, there's a, um, you know, very religious folk who are kind of very strict. And, you know, there, there's a woman who kind of has to confess to things and stuff like that. Has quite a harrowing table sequence late on, which is um, which is quite <laughs> quite difficult to watch. But that okay. aside from that, that's it anyway. Um, but I'm going to talk about one of my favourites again. Another favourite. It's a film called Sweeter You Won't Believe It, set in Kazakhstan, and this is kind of like Carry On Deliverance. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's an absolute. This this to me it's was a an humorous. It's basically. Um, it's about a bunch of guys. If it's kind of a bit like is it a, com- is it a comedy? It's a horror comedy, okay. but it's actually um, it's kind of a bit like The Hangover. <laughs> it just get it's absolutely you know we we all kind of when you have a movie like a horror film that actually set in Kazakhstan and it delivers the goods tenfold. You have like a one-eyed psychopath who just literally is determined to cut everybody up. Nice. Um, you have some very funny, um, if you can imagine like a stage play, like these, like, um, kind of screwball, there's a touch of the screwball comedy and it's about three flawed heroes who just literally, um, you know, that you, they're a bit like the hangover. They're just like flawed heroes, but you know, damn well, they somehow find the strength to sort of, so it's only when you say the hangover, so it's not that they wake up and they don't know what the fuck just happened. No, but it's got the, it's got three characters who are just like idiots. Okay. Right. right. So it's that kind of thing, but it just, it's just one of those that, you know, you, you kind of, it's the, it's the perfect fright fest movie. It just literally goes into all kinds of really silly things. And, and is it funny? It's just very funny, but okay. also it's the fact that, you know, like classic physical gore mm. and you know that somebody's got an ax and they're going to sort of use the ax and you're just thinking, and then somebody sort of chops a head off and stuff like that. It's kind of like Tucker and Dale versus evil. You know, there's really silly moments and a bit like brain dead, maybe something like that. Yeah. You're, if you, if you kind of like brain dead, you'll love that. That's, um, you know, it is that has, it's just cheerful silliness, but again, you have to look past the gore. You have to be in the right frame of mind. If you're a horror fan, if you're not really a horror fan, you'll probably think this is sick. This is stuff like that. But this is a horror thing <laughs> like that. Well, so I think sometimes when the violence is so silly, it's kind of not like brain dead is not scary. Yeah. Because it's like it. watching a, a Tom and Jerry cartoon that's real. <laughs> over uh, over blood. I mean, uh, for people not um, brain dead is um, Peter Jackson, one of his early films made in. Um, New Zealand. I didn't know that Peter Jackson. Yeah, it's oh, right. really, it was also really no, well. It, its alternate title was Dead Alive. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right, next film. Where's um, it made? So moving on, um, they had a Nicolas Cage film called Prisoner of the Ghostland. Okay. Which was um, I can. It was. I mean, to be honest with you, it's like all I remember about it was a lot of shooting and a lot, a lot of various things, and it was it was kind of like Nicolas Cage in his wildest heart mode. Okay, fine. Um, but the next one, my next choice was a film called The Maid, with which was directed by Lee Thunkham, and this was actually American. 
Um, you no, know, it's Thailand. Okay. So a beautiful maid, um, there's a maid who takes up residence in a house where the soul of a long deceased maid um, has happened. And that's, it's, she sort of turns up in various modes and starts doing it and starts doing all manner of really shitty supernatural things. But then the, but then the story sort of emerges again, a bit like coming home into the dark. There's, there's a sense, there's a bit of a revelation about okay. it. And then it becomes a revenge thing. So if you think audition, those kind of movies, you know that, you know, it's a ty- it's a far Eastern horror film and you know, damn well, it's going to be 10 times more. So there's going to be a girl with very long black hair looking yeah, through. Yeah. yeah. Know, Screaming. Yeah. Looking through. yeah. Um, so of course, Another of the choices was this really, you get often an offbeat movie that kind of, there's sometimes there's a left field movie that doesn't seem like a Fright Fest film, but actually just is perfect for thing. And it was a film called King Knight, Richard Bates Jr. Now this was actually a what bit. What country is this? It's America. Okay. So this was actually about a coven of misfit witches. So if you <laughs> okay. can imagine, so again, it's a bit like, um, they, they, sorry, say again. Oh, King Knight. King sorry, Knight. Yeah. So it was kind of like, um, it was a little bit like, um, you know, it's, it's got the kind of quirkiness of things like Heather's and, um, what else could we pick up? Jawbreaker, something like that. Probably Jawbreaker, Donnie Darko. You know, you, you, it's Beetlejuice. It's it's kind of the sort of thing Tim Burton might have done when he started, like a real offbeat movie. But it's more humorous yeah. than anything. And you're, you're just going into it. You think, well... And then you, you emerge from it and you're thinking, this actually is so quirky and it's got likable witches and it's got likable characters. So it's that kind of cult... It's got that kind of potential as a cult film that really works and and it was one of the favorites of the of the festival is there a sort of um in terms of favorites is there things like as they're judging is there like awards you know are this there is i think there's a screen international award for the festival i think they do a special award which is given to one particular filmmaker so people like duncan jones david jones david bowie's son i think he did one for i think it might have been for source code or something but uh, but there's no jury per se it does it it's not like a festival like that basically it's 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 a festival for fans by fans you don't have like an award ceremony you know even in the independent films like london independent film festival paris international film festival which you who i'm connected with they will have like a last night where they're a serious hit. So it, it's, yeah, I think if you added awards to it, it would take something away from it than rather than just being about fans. It, yeah, it, it, but, but, but I think yeah. no. But but the thing is, is the the award the awards are actually down to the the fans. Yeah, I mean it's quite common to get an audience award, isn't there? At, at a lot yeah. of festivals, do. But a lot of people are. But the great thing is, is the the festival is about the film, so that you know you you know when the last film's over, there's no kind of final. What you do is you go off to the Phoenix and you go, you you spend the whole rest of the three hours, you know, getting drunk, and you'll have a few beers, and then you'll hang out with the a few beers, John. <laughs> well, I would say a lot of beers. <laughs> I, I actually, well, I, yeah. I, sorry. I, so the next one was. Um, so the next one was actually a uh, film called Sound of Violence. Now, this was actually not dissimilar to films like um, Blowout. Is this? this is America. And it, yeah. Alex Noy. And it's actually about a, um, a woman who um, basically sort of gets off on sound. When and she... Um, I, 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 when we say get off, as in she's aroused by... She's ar- yeah. she, right, she, okay, gets, she gets stimulated by... Because she's had a traumatic experience with her family when she was younger... 
she then becomes obsessed with so if you think of things like misery and blowout it she she becomes a bit psychotic mm-hmm. and starts to sort of do things and she sort of records sounds of of things so it's a variation of things like Brandon Palmer's blowout where he 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 records the sounds of a murder being committed but in this she's does she find that the she, thing that really does it for her she, is sounds she, of yeah, violence. Yeah, so it's sound. It's sounds of violence, which is hence. Oh, the title. so it's sort of it's it's almost peeping Tom, but with sound. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of. Um, so um, the next film after that was a South African movie called Gaia, which was um, again it's it's more about trying to remember what it was. There's a lot of um, they they kind of had these somebody got kidnapped. It's a bit like you know psychos in the woods type thing okay very interesting locations but again you you kind of know where it was at the time anyway um but it's a very strange one um but that said i think you know the filmmaker you know he will he can always benefit from other ones anyway you know do pretty well so just give us some of your favorites rather than the list okay so the retaliators which is oh yeah that's what we're okay so this was um this was a guy who, um, this was about a, a guy. What, where's this? This was an American film. Okay. So it's about a guy who, um, a poor, uh, yeah. A, so the plot is this, there's a pastor who sort of preaches the book. Yeah. And then his daughter goes out on a road trip and she stops by at a, she stops by at a um, gas station and there's a killer. Okay. who basically pursues her and she sort of dies in the, she tries to escape, but she dies. And then basically the pastor sort of becomes anything but a pastor as he pursues the person and then goes on a revenge, um, you know, against. So the, he's not turning the other cheek. Against yeah. the advice. It's like, you know, an eye for an eye, you know, it's, um, you know, the coward, it's kind of coward of the county, you know, you know, that kind of thing. But it does have, um, you know, it really does. Again, it delivers the goods. It's a, it's a really competent film, but there's, there's like violence and shootouts and stuff like that. So that was the next one anyway. Um, what else was there? There was, um, oh, there was Slapface, which was. <laughs> Just like the title. This was a bit like. Which uh, country? This was American. This was about a um, a brother and son who were basically playing a really vicious game, like a, a physical game. Uh, didn't, wasn't there a. F- it was called like Happy was a- Slapping. If you remember Happy Slapping, this is... A- yeah, but wasn't there a comedy about that? Like, there was something called, like, mm-hmm. Slap Bet or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like there had been a comedy a couple of years back. So anyway, you anyhow. choose a subject for a film to yeah, make. Well, yeah. Go on. So anyway, what's how, the storyline of that? Um, that's kind of... Um, it. It's kind of a... The actual... Um, it's about two brothers who lose their mother in an accident, and they, they kind of resort to this game, which is like a physical game, and then it escalates into something more sinister and dark. Um, not very pleasant to watch, but it, it, it kind of is taps into the mental health of children and stuff like that. Uh, what else have we got here? Just going through it. Slap. Um, one of my, okay. Another of the favorites was a film called the advent <clears throat> calendar. Now, if you remember the ring, this is yeah. about an advent calendar that they, this, this disabled person gets a present of an advent calendar and there are rules, you know, if you, if you, you have to make sure you, if you eat all the chocolates, you have to sort of follow the rules and stuff like that. And if you don't follow the rules, something happens and somebody will die. So if you eat, for example, what would it be like if you ate three chocolates instead of? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a case of you can't, 
they can't get rid of the the callet the the antique thing and then it sort of becomes you know it sort of starts affecting the person around it very ingenious i thought it was a really interesting um variation on things like the ring and the omen and mm. the, you know where a MacGuffin has a deadly is that american um, that film that's no that is french <clears throat> that was actually the penultimate film and then the final film of the year of the festival this year was the sadness which again is another like um again it's it's a bit like you know mutantation and, and viruses and stuff a bit like um um Train to Busan, okay, which right was right. one of the acclaimed films. From so where's this? This is set in Taiwan. Oh, is this the film with the axe? Yeah, that's the one with the axe. axe. Okay, so who's he in it? He's well, he's he, he kind of um, he he sort of turns up and then he sort of becomes infected by the you know they I think the eyes the eyes have okay, it and right, then there's, yeah, there's yeah. pursuits and people get um, people get shot and and you know there's a lot of bodily dismemberment and stuff. Theo's just showing that picture for the camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then basically what happens is that they, you know, at the end of the festival, they sort of, um, everybody says thank you. And then we all go off to the Phoenix and we reflect on it and we, everybody has their own favorite. So just to clarify my, I, I would probably have to watch a lot of those movies again, yeah, yeah. but. What would a, you say is your favorite? The New Zealand one? That sounded quite good. I think probably <clears throat> that and, Coming home in the dark. So just what's the name of the New so Zealand one? Going through the movies that I did like. Um, so going back to the beginning, um, the Kindred Crabs, Brain Freeze, um, Coming Home in the Dark, Sweetie, you won't believe it. Um, the Maid, King Knight, um, the Retaliators. What was the name of the the the? The New Zealand one. Coming thought, Home in the Dark. Okay. Advent That's, Calendar and The Sadness. So where, if people wanted to see these, where do you get them? Um, the, they, they normally go off. Normally these are like pre premiere things, but they then appear on stream and you just have to keep your eyes open. They like, also like, get, watch the, like, not, it's not going to be like Amazon and Netflix. They might be on, yeah. they might be on Amazon soon. Normally they'll be, they'll be available on Apple plus, you know, oh, some, okay, so right. that, so you just have to keep your eyes open right. for them. Um, if you want to know more about the festival, you can go to <clears throat> FrightFest, www.frightfest.co.uk. Um, and it, it, it's just, and again, they have things like, oh, yeah, um, like so, you know, if you look at the program, for example, there's in here as well, there's, um, a few other things to draw. There's, there's like special, um, you know, that people, you know, there's like special things talking about new blood. Um, they do a few interviews here and stuff. They always, somebody actually sort of does a, um, at the very beginning. And you can buy, it looks like you can buy DVDs through this. Is that right? Oh yes, you can. And Off then there's, screen. um, and then for example, um, they always invite one regular to kind of say what it means to them, what Friday means to Write an article in the magazine. Okay. Um, so what the, the, um, the, the one coming up, is that like a rehash of this? No, is no, it it's a, they, they do an online event. They've actually done a sideline online digital event, which actually took place about a week after the festival, but they do have a two day event with brand new premieres. Oh, so new ones. it's a different one. So you're going to that? Um, I'm not sure yet. I might be. I'd, is it I'd, in the same place? I think so, yeah. Um, they they do it over two days, and um, you know, there's different premieres. So this is that's that's the actual August edition. Is there any um, big horror films coming out this? Uh, well, Halloween? there's um, well Halloween Kills, which is the um, the follow up to the Halloween reboot three years ago. Oh, hang on. So where are we now with this? What's the one where they set fire to the house? The last is that one of the last ones, and he's in it. Michael yeah, Ma 
that's Halloween. That's the that was the last. That's one. the last one, and then they goes. It just apparently. So he just didn't die. Well, he never does. Does well, he? Michael Myers doesn't <laughs> die. You got to remember. Come on, eventually. You know, even even though it, even even after when they did Halloween three, it was like bloody hell. You know, the, the fans <laughs> wanted him back. I mean, you know, that's what because that was the plan, wasn't it? Halloween three was to that it was going to kick it off as an anthology, oh, and then it well, the work. idea was was that at the end of Halloween two, spoiler alert, Michael Myers is is killed, and he's he's basically Sam Loomis basically blows him up in the hospital. So. But we know now, fire does not work. Explosions okay. do not kill him. So what happened? So the story goes, John Carpenter, they approached him. They, it was, I mean, the second film was very successful. Um, there was a bit of controversy because Rick Rosenthal, who was the director of Halloween 2, um, he, was, he was actually given the job by Carpenter for, on the back end of a short called The Toya. And Carpenter said, look, you've got to make this movie scary. When he turned in his cut, it was not deemed scary by Universal or Carpenter. So Carpenter actually went out and filmed various things. So he opened, oh, yes, yeah, he opened the scares. So he kind of, but the film was actually tightened up. And the editor, he had a, he had a, he had, he had a, Rosenthal had a great team. This is well known anyway. There's, there's an interview in, in this John Carpenter, Prince of Darkness book, which was a bit of interviews. Um, so when they it came down to do Halloween 3, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill wanted to do something different. They wanted to do a whole series of hmm. films that were actually different variations on the same theme. They wanted to do like, you know, like they did with um, Halloween 3. They wanted to do like something set in a different town, Halloween yeah, Mars an and stuff. Um, Nigel Neal, who was the creator of Quatermass, he was connected to Halloween 3 Ooh, at one love point. a bit of Quatermass. <laughs> but... Nigel Neal, according to it, um, Tommy Lee Wallace, who was a production designer on things like Halloween, he actually became the writer and director, and they had a lot of disagreements. You know, the, the draft was not particularly good, apparently, and Nigel Neal, apparently, the story said that he didn't like the act, he didn't like the, um, he, he didn't care about the audience, and, you know, I think there was a conflict of interest. So Tommy Lee Wallace took over. And if you watch the film on Netflix, if you watch it as it is, it's actually what, it's a pretty good, you know, it's a pretty good Halloween film on its own because it's it's like, um, you know, it's got a great score by John Carpenter and Alan Howarth. Does it have the... Dun, 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 no. No. But it's got a great... Oh, come on. The, That's got to the be only time. No, the only time it appears is they... Um, the lead character, Dan Chalice, he's sitting in a bar and they actually have an advert for Halloween. <laughs> okay. Followed by the big giveaway at nine. Now, the big giveaway... Is not, I'm not going to give away here. You have to watch it because it's actually about, um, the story goes like this. There's at the beginning of the film, a guy's running in the dark in Northern California a week or so before Halloween. And he's clutching a Halloween mask and he's pursued by a car. And in the car are two suited men who are determined to kill him. He goes to a gas station, the gas, and he says, they're coming, they're coming. The guy, this gas station tender drives into the hospital and this is where you meet Dan Chalice, who's the doctor. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, this guy says, you know, they're coming to kill us. They're going to kill us all. And then this, one of these suited men comes in and basically sort of coaches his eyeballs out and then nice. kills him. And then sort of burns himself to death in the car park. His daughter, Ellie Grimbridge, turns up. And basically him and Dan Chalice go down to Santa Mira where these masks are being made and they meet the mysterious Connell Cochran and it's an Irish town. And it's, 
it's a little bit like i suppose it's got the t- it's got a got the tone of invasion of the body snatchers not in terms of what the body snatchers are but it's in a, in in a way it's a style of it it's a small town thing and it works really it it works on its own terms so you can't go into it thinking it's another halloween yeah you have to go into it thinking you know treat it as a separate story it's a shame they can't because <laughs> it's a shame they can't take halloween off the title but the problem is yeah, that that's people, why but then sometimes. people will be, because there is a halloween four five you know umpty billion of them then someone will be but like, then but then what happened was the film didn't do all that well but then in 1988 basically mustafa akkad who was the producer is the you know he was one of the executive producers who sadly died in a um in a terrorist bomb in oh, in um in Israel, I think he, he died. He actually was him and his daughter were killed. But his but his son Malik actually is responsible now for the Halloween franchise. Okay. Um, so basically, um, John Carpenter basically sold the franchise the rights, and he makes a lot of money from it. And then in 1988, they said, "Well, the fans didn't want a separate kind of Halloween, so they brought back Halloween Michael Myers for Halloween for the return of Michael Myers." And then, of course, it's now gone back. And then with the Halloween reboot, it's like the last. All the sequels from 1970, 81 onwards, they didn't happen. He just because it's even it's even two, isn't it? That yeah, they race because they're not set, related now. But he sets he sets basically. It's as if the last few sequels haven't happened, and it's as if Michael Myers has been incarcerated for forty years. Mm-hmm. And then you have Jamie Lee Curtis, who's determined to become, you know, this obsessed because they him. killed her off in one of the sequels, didn't they? Uh, was it Resurrection? I think it was H. Yeah, it was Resurrection at the very beginning, and then he, she was in like H two Halloween H two O, which yeah. was the um, the one she was in just... the last one, though, wasn't she? Yeah, but that yeah. was that was the that's this new reboot. So, so they did oh. all of the how many? Because there was oh, just rebooting. There was there was, was Halloween H two O. There was Halloween Resurrection. There was. Um, I'm trying to admit that. it's difficult. So many, isn't you know? then, then they did the remakes with Rob Zombie, yeah. and then they've now they've rebooted it back to yeah. Jamie Lee. But but I, I kind of the truth is, even though I'm a even though as I mentioned in the podcast that we did two years ago, that Halloween is my all time favorite horror film. I've kind of got, I've got, I'm not there's so many, and they're all different directors. Um, yeah, there's a few. I mean, so this, this film's just been sort of passed, passed around like a whore. But that does. <laughs> Like not necessarily. You, you have a go at it. You have a go I mean, at it. It's, I guess it's let it go. Yeah, let it they die do that gracefully. Don't, no, but but these, films life have been well, these films have been well. These films, the reboot was well. well, well, well I can't speak here. The reboot was well received. Sorry, really? That's, that's challenging yeah. my speech. I thought it, it wouldn't be laughable. Because it kind of, yeah. because what it was was about these, I think it's a it's plays like a greatest hits mm. i actually went to the previous screening of it at the view west end and again i was sitting there with one of one of my mates from fright fest and we were watching it and we were just sitting there like because certain shots like jamie lee curtis is a is the daughter actually is looking at the granddaughter is actually looking out the window and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is standing like Michael Myers in the first film. Oh, right, yeah. But the kind of idea that, you know, that when you see certain elements, it's just it just gets back to the creepiness and the actual straightforward horror. There's no real there's there is humor, but it's gone back to kind of the straightforward style of the original film. Mm-hmm. Who's in the, she's in, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the new one now. She is, yeah. Oh, is. is it is it part of a trilogy or is it is it just yeah this there's one? there's halloween ends i think that ah, there's there's basically halloween kills now but i think as i understand it there is a brand new film which is being released next year called halloween ends 
Halloween, Kill, Halloween Kills was actually going to be released last year. Oh, okay, right, right. But they sent they they announced it on the it's almost every. There's just a rolling recurrence of making Halloween every year. Yeah, uh, that's well, too much. But, that but no, but but it's like what happened with if you take Friday the Thirteenth in 1984, they had Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. Okay, so they from Paramount Pictures. Does Friday the Thirteenth predate? Halloween, no? It was made two years after Halloween. And the reason is, if you want to know something, I'll let you into a little thing. Victor Miller admitted that he watched, he was doing kids' films with Sean Cunningham. He actually admitted that he actually, he was told to watch Halloween to get an idea of what to write for Friday the 13th. Yeah. Because he didn't know how to write a a horror film. So, in if you get a chance, read the Peter M. Brack book, Crystal Lake Memories. It's a wonderful, it's the definitive chronicle of the Friday the 13th series. It's got great interviews. It's got interviews with Kevin Bacon and all the principals. So in 1984... What's Kevin Bacon got to do with it? He was in the first he one. Was, he was the one who got an arrow through the, head, through the neck. I remember it. Was long it really? Be- long, yeah. before he, long before he did EE and stuff. Well, they even referenced that in the EE, in one of the EE. So EE, the phone company, they had a, he's the kind of spokesperson. For yeah, yeah. Sort of plays yeah, himself. Yeah. But there's one, one of the series of the adverts they had all his actors you know it was the idea they all lived in this house so they had him from um apollo oh, 13 right. in his yeah, 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 yeah. and there was one with them where he had a mullet and he had an arrow pointing oh, through right. his neck okay. it yeah. was really okay. so the story goes they they weren't going to do any more friday the 13th after 1984 because friday the 13th was announced as the final chapter mm. and paramount said that's fine we, we can deal with it we've we've kind of done what we needed to with it let's make it the final chapter so, of course, shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> and the film made more money. It's opened to the biggest opening weekend take. It eclipsed everything. And then they decided, fuck it, we'll do another one each year. So they then <laughs> made Friday the 13th a new beginning. Because, you know, the audience decided, well, look, if the audience wants it, yeah. then why, why stop? It's a bit like the Saw films, isn't it, that those guys yeah. making Because it Because that's the thing. It's like if... If you have a formula or you have a specific kind of idea, it's like with the Marvel films, for mm-hmm. example, or Star Wars, you know, or, or Star Trek, you know, they'll, they'll, you can cut, or a James Bond, they'll, they'll kind of, they'll, they'll say, well, okay, we, we know that this is a reliable thing to have, a reliable brand. So, you know, No Time to Die, for example, is just, you know, there was a lot of speculation of, well, is it going to make its money back as the most expensive? It's already going to make within, Within a week of release, even before going to America, it's already made half its budget back. Yeah. I th- they've kind of, it feels like they sort of bench Friday the 13th. There hasn't been one, the last mm. one was what, Freddy versus Jason, I think? No, that they did, a Paramount did a remake, Platinum Dunes, which is Michael Bay's company. Oh, right. So Michael Bay, he did like things like um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and he did the reboot of that. But the interesting, there's a bit of interesting trivia. The original Friday the 13th from 1980 has never been screened on terrestrial television. Has it not? Really? Never. I've never known it. It's the one film they've, they've screened the, on film four, for example, they've screened the remake. But I can't recall. It's the one horror film, the one classic horror film that has never been screened. It's been screened on satellite. Yeah. But I've never actually seen it on ITV or ITV4. 
There's no reason. It's not costly. Wouldn't be. But it, it's it it's be in, cheap. It'd be cheap. Yeah, but the crazy thing is Halloween's been on TV. Yeah, but I've, I would know. I would normally put that on. You know, if I I've always had this hallucinate this vision that you know I can imagine an advert at t- so tonight at ten thirty and you'd see like the the it's the, been on BBC a few times, hasn't it? Halloween, I think Halloween's been on yeah, BBC been, and ITV. Yeah, yeah. It's been on BBC. I mean, Alex Cox with Movie John, he actually did it as a special <clears> um, Movie John special. But I I'm tr- I don't know if anybody can clarify this because I'm honestly- they used to have that that late night Fridays, didn't they? They'd have a horror on like the thing uh, or Channel something. Channel Four would ITV. often yeah, Channel Four had a. Um, for a, lo- a long-running horror strand, um, yeah. Even to the and they would even do yeah, rings of oh yeah. Um, they would do sort of extra. Uh, I can't remember what they called it, but it was basically an extreme cinema oh. strand, which is included the the first terrestrial broadcast of Brain Dead. Yeah. Um. So they would show films that yeah. Were, the Channel Four used to do a lot with that sort of stuff, didn't they? Like new. Well, films their their whole new... their whole sort of remit and their whole kind of purpose is was slash is to push boundaries yeah is that gone now though that- that's still to a degree but i mean it's and to do things that maybe aren't necessarily mainstream it's an odd mix because they yeah. also have things like the great British but Bank, also as know. well now the horror channel they they the horror channel has now become a dedicated channel on freeview so you if you oh, go on freeview so if you oh, go on to yeah. freeview they do have um, a mixture of court classics and stuff. I mean, Talking Pictures UK, for example, they they do screen some cult film horror films, so you just have to keep your eyes open for them. Um, I mean, Horror Channel is very odd though because they also show things like Star Trek and yeah, they run the, out. Well, of they have, no, but they have the, but the, I think up until about nine o'clock they have the sci-fi thing. But then, yeah. but then I noticed that in fact a lot of the titles that are on. Um, that I've seen on Friday. Suddenly, you you turn up and you'll see something like the Greasy Strangler. Um, I mean, another of the I mean, another of the films that sort of stood out, which I remember had this extraordinary uh, reaction, was the Human Centipede, the very oh, first God. film, because yeah. Tom Six, who's sadly uh, no longer with us, he he died. Is he dead? I think so. Yeah, mm. I think so. Let me just what, check. Did didn't. South Park do a parody of the human. I'm, I'm sure plenty of people did a parody of human, you know, because it, it almost something. seems like a parody. Um, for those not yeah. familiar, um, and I'm sure you probably are, the, the premise of the human centipede is that there's a, the first one, this is, they they kind of become a bit um, ironically snake eating us down. Oh, no, um, he, he had, no, wrong. I don't know, I don't know where I got that. I apologize for that because he's, oh, he's, he's he's back alive. Tom Six is the reports of his demise greatly. <laughs> yeah, exaggerated. Um, yeah. So the premise of it is that, um, uh, it's the classic thing people turn up at a house you know while well, we're stuck we're lost we've we're stuck yeah. in the woods kind of thing um and they wait <laughs> and um they're drugged and and wake up in his you know lab basement and he's basically got this weird obsession slash fixation that he um wants to sew them at mouth to anus to oh, one another in a it. row now believing just... that they essentially form one giant digestive system um and uh, uh, yeah. you've reminded me of the South Park episode. It's the, okay. It, um, just to, I have to apologise. It's in fact the guy who played the Doctor of the Human Centipede. Oh. Dieter Laser died, not Tom Six. So Tom, I, if you're watching, I apologise. The, uh, the South Tom Park is episode is it's the Human Centipede, and it's uh, Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> he, he wants to. I can't remember now. But he does the, basically the same thing. He wants to put somebody's one of the kids' anus against a man's mouth you know that and to make a an ipad <laughs> <laughs> horrendous yeah I mean, horrendous. It's, 
It is. I've never seen the human centipede. I've seen clips of it. Or the I've human sort of, centipede. Or the human centipede. But, I, but going back to it, I remember, because Tom Six, he always came on with a Panama hat and a white suit. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to be careful that. <laughs> get my fucking facts right. Oh, shit. You've already killed him once. No, no, I won't what, do that. The, um, as, it, as you're uh, doing the Fright Fest festival, uh, special, do you want to give us your award for the movie? What's the one film, John? What they should go and see from the 2021 Fright Fest Festival. Um, what are you going to give it to? I will probably say Coming Home in the Dark. That's oh, the New, New Zealand. Zealand one. Yeah. But oh, I'd okay. also recommend the Advent Calendar as a close second. All right. You um, can't have any more than that. I'm going to look that up. All right. Okay. All well, right. Coming Home in the Dark. Coming <laughs> what year was it made? Um, just now, I it, think. Has, <laughs> has, no, has I mean, they're all new releases, are they? Yeah. They're all new releases anyway. I so. mean, given the sort of tolerance of... of people who go to Fright Fest because I'm sure they're fine. Has there anything, and you mentioned that, I think there was one film you mentioned here that was a bit like, ooh, had to kind of yeah. think, you know, soak it, was soak it up and, and kind of digest it as it were, mixing metaphors here ter- terribly. Has there ever been anything that's kind of been, you know, that's almost caused uproar people have been like that is well, too disgusting there was too... i mean uwe bowl had two films oh, uwe bowl had two films in the festival postal and seed now seed has this rather intense brutal moment where this character called seed he's it's all done in shot there's a woman there like an elderly woman and all it is of him taking a hammer and she's bashing he bashes the head that side Bashes the head that side. Speaking to the mic. Bashes so the is head. It, is this a short film? This is a feature film. Okay. So he bashes that side, that side, that side, that side, that side. Okay. So just against her temple constantly. Yeah. yeah. And it's just literally in camera and it just literally kind of, um, it's just a crazy, um, it's a crazy, uh, it's, it's just a crazy sequence, but it's done in camera. What is significant, there was, they did this film called Postal, which is based on the game. What people remember is there was, after the festival, they had, a, it was at the Odin Western and they had a Q&A with the director. And this guy just got up, remember it's a horror festival, and he actually sort of literally berated Uwe Boll and said, how can you make this rather offensive film like that? It was so angry. Um, there is one other incident that's, is, but what was the anger? Just the violence? It was just anger against the violence. Oh. But... Is that the one where he... Like, it's got Osama Bin Laden in it's it? It's kind of it's... like... that. You see a plane crash into the Twin Towers. The opening scene is you see the plane physically. It's a visual effect, but it's actually done like that. But the most... One of the most famous moments was... Was a giallo film called Tulpa. Now, this film had just been completed about three or four days before. Okay, well... And we sort of watched it and the reaction wasn't exactly great, but we all kind of, you know, we, everybody was like, there was a bit of cringe making because we were, because when a film emerges, you think, well, maybe they'll test it out, maybe do it a bit more. Um, and the reaction was kind of maybe a little more negative about it, but the truth was it was like a, um, you know, it was one of those things where you can't predict, you know, films, sometimes there are moments where a film doesn't quite work. Mm. I think if, if if they've gone back to it, they might have re-edited it now. What what was it particularly about it? Just that it was so... It was the, it was a mix of the dialogue and the structure. 
There's a, there's a one there's one moment there's a one piece of dialogue that actually brings guffaws to people when they when they speak about it. and even me and my friends at Fryfest we're all laughing about it now and and somebody says um, well in the the line was that horrible thing that was a line it was like there was it's referred but when you see the film you're thinking it's kind of crazy um, but going back to it is to say you know but this is the power of the festival itself you know you know with things like the human centipede it 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 you know i mean he's done two films like that since then i'd be interested to see what tom six does next you know mm. it's a great thing um you know i th- i think you know that it it was such an use because it was like a david cronenberg film it was kind of when you first saw the you know, somebody said to me, have you seen this human centipede? Yeah. What do you think? I said, well, it's a, it's kind of unusual thing like dead ringers and stuff. And, um, but you know, also that's one of the other things you don't forget Tom six and the, chances are when he turns up at the next festival, you know, when it, as and when he does, he'll, he'll be in the same kind of suit because you remember the flamboyance of it and he gets away with it. That's what he does. Um, but I mean, I, I've seen films over the years, like American Mary, the Soska sisters who did the remake of Raybid. And I'm actually, apparently, I mean, there's an extra on the DVD called American Mary in London. And people remind me that I'm actually appearing in that. Oh, it's an extra. And they say to me, they always say to me, oh, you know, John, you're in American Mary in London. Because, um, and they were great. They're, they're Canadian um, twins. And they, they're called the Twisted uh, the twisted Twins. But they they did the remake of Rabid, which is pretty good. If, you've, if you know, like, um, you know, it's not dissimilar to... Um, it's not dissimilar to, you know, the, you know, you know, the, like the, it's different in a way, but it, it's sort of the same kind of tone as the original film. Cause it's about body, you know, like plastic surgery and stuff, but they take it in a different direction. Okay. And they're cool. So, uh, any other Hollywood films coming out this, uh, any cinema? What horror? Yeah. Horror. Um, I haven't seen we've had, anything. We've had Candyman being in Gotham. I've yeah, seen, I've, I actually saw Candyman, which was, I thought it was okay. Um, I, I don't think the compared to the Bernard Rose what version, it's a lot more, um, I don't think it's, it's kind of very much with the world kind of thing. It's kind of done with, you know, um, cause it's actually Jordan Peele. Jordan yeah, Peele yeah. is responsible. It has, it still has Tony Todd and, um, sort of keeps to the, the faithfulness of the, um, of the original. I mean, I, I saw it at the view West end in, in, and I remember, you know, it sort of went through it. And I thought, and it's in the credits came. I thought, is that it? I was like, oh, okay. One of those. Maybe it was so enjoyable and gross. <laughs> uh, what have you been doing about your acting? You've started doing acting now. Yeah. Well, strangely, interestingly enough, I, um, I'm actually going to be making an appearance in an upcoming horror film called werewolf central werewolf werewolf central, which I shot last year. And I've, I'm sort of not telling you what the, the role is because you'll get it when you see it. Are you playing werewolf <laughs> or are you playing central? I'm playing a victim. Oh, I'm, a, no. I'm, actually, I'm actually sort of, that's all I'll say about it. But what I'll say is, right, when you see it, you'll know it's me. When well, is yeah. it coming out then? Do you know um, when it's coming out? Well, I, I, I spoke with Anthony Hales, who's the director. I shot it in Farnham back last September when there was a window in the whole pandemic thing. So I went down there shot it in one night and um and he says i mean i spoke to him like recently i think around Fryfest. he said well actually it's in the final editing pay at this stage so probably in the next maybe it's soon now anyway they said october so maybe it'll be around anyway so and i'll be able to check that on your social media pages and whatnot um well i'm i'm waiting i haven't um 
I haven't confirmed anything. I mean, I'm, I've sort of been dropping it subtly. So it was originally Frostbite, but then he told me the title is uh, Werewolf Central. So you'll just have to wait and see when that comes out. And um, Is that your debut, is it? It's my big screen debut, and I actually have a speaking scene with oh, um, Emily Booth, who's the queen of, um, of British horror. She's like the screen queen of British horror. Lovely lady. Yeah. She's um, I know her, I know her a little bit through um, Fright Fest because she turns. She actually does. Um, she's done like um, presentate presenting for the Horror Channel. Okay. So, so you might end up in the Fright Fest yourself. Up on the big well, screen. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, it's it's you know, know. But but the truth is, is I'm I'm not really. You know, for me, you know, doing these podcasts and doing the reviews and um, and just, you know, in, and then sort of sharing my passion for film is what it's all about. I mm. mean, um, so, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. So that was Fright Fest. So you, you're, you're giving your award to Coming Home in the Dark for yeah. Fright Fest 2020. Well, by all Directed means. James Ashcroft. Yeah. So um, just one final thing is that the... If you go on to frightfest.co.uk, you can book tickets for the um, for the Halloween edition. Um, do do check out the fest. Do check out the website. And um, so is that this year's ones? That's this year's. So it's. I thought you said it was a two day thing. It's five days. No, Halloween is two days. Frightfest is five days. Oh, this is yeah, from this August. Is, this on. is the August okay, one. Right, okay. um, but you, if you, if you check on the website, they'll be able to give you tickets, and they'll tell you um, they'll be able to reveal to it. Um, there's a forum as well if you want to learn about it. And um, and as I say, if there's anybody out there who's never been before, do come along. Um, do try and make sure you get your tickets in, but do ensure that you sort of keep your eyes open for when they go on sale for next year's event. Um, the Fright Fest community will welcome you. Um, I'll welcome you. And by all means, do sort of... Um, so uh, you'll be there next year? Nine times a ten, I will be. Yeah. So if you're there, just ask for John Higgins. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm easy going. I okay, can do. Go. <laughs> All right. Well, John, thank you very much, mate. It's great. Good. Hopefully, we get to see the film soon. Yeah. And we'll chat to you later on. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers, everyone. Could be larger than